I believe that creativity is the single most important skill that you can develop or cultivate as a developer. Now, don't get me wrong. Technical skill matters. But if that tech skill is used to implement a bad idea or you're having trouble coming up with any ideas in the first place, then it all becomes a little bit pointless. However, a lot of developers tend to be very super logical, including myself, and, and think very linearly, and again, myself included in that. So natural creativity is hard. Well, what I've learned over the years is that creativity is ultimately a process. And it's not just me that says that. There's actually psychologists that have studied this that say the same thing. And that process is something that you can break down, you can understand, and then learn how to apply it on demand when you need it, which is something that's perf perfect for us linear logical thinkers, because now we can actually break down, understand this process and learn how to be uh, actually generate creativity. So in this episode, I'm going to take you inside the science of creativity and how you can become a more creative, good idea developer and problem solver. There's a lot of developers who have a lot of opinions about what you need to do this coding thing for a living and be good at it. But I often find that their opinions tend to be better for them than they are for you. And that's part of the reason why I created this podcast, to cut through the crap and give it to you straight. And you won't always like me, you won't always agree with me, but I will tell you the truth. I'm John Morris, and welcome to The John Morris Show. Now let's quit the yakking and get to it. Hey there, John Morris here, johnmorrisonline.com. Welcome back to another episode of The John Morris Show. As I mentioned, this one, we're going to get into creativity. And the big thing is, is the science of creativity and actually what psychologists have studied and things that you can do to be more creative in not only your career, but your life and, and everything that you do and, and help make creativity a more natural part of your life, even if you're more of a kind of linear, logical thinker like I am. Now, before they, I do that, I do want to let you know about an interesting product over on store.johnmorrisonline.com. I call it my ultimate courses bundle. And in it, you can get all five of my flagship products. So PHP 101, Upwork 101, Responsive Web Design 101, uh, A Spammer's Guide to Get More Clients, which I just released, and my No BS Guide to Get More Done. You can get all of those in that bundle. Separately, they cost you uh, 105 bucks but you can get the bundle for just 49 So 56 off the regular cost. Anyway, if uh, you, you want to check that out, you can find it at the top of store.johnmorrisonline.com. I'd appreciate if you'd grab a copy, uh, get the coding knowledge you need, the, the, the get client knowledge you need, but also help support what I do and support the show. I'd appreciate that. All right, that out of the way, let's get into this. So Again, I always like to relate this to myself a little bit. I kind of feel like uh, some of that is what this podcast is uh, a little bit. And, you know, the way I've always related to to creativity was it was this thing that I was pursuing that I never could quite fully grasp. 
even all the way back to as a little kid. I remember I used to sit in my room and this was this was the if you know my story and I I kind of grew up the 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 trailer park. It wasn't really a trailer park, but I did live in a trailer home for for a lot of years and I remember I used to sit in my room and it was all kind of spurred on by lamenting <laughs> the situation that I in, was in, the fact of how poor, you know, we were and how I grew up and you know, I would sit around lamenting that, trying to figure out a way to to deal with that. And uh, I used to sit in my room and try to come up with, uh, for some reason, I was stuck on games. I used to sit up and try and come up with ideas for a new game that I could create. And this wasn't a computer game. It wasn't like a PlayStation game. It was a, it was, I was trying to come up with ideas for board games for some reason. And I used to sit there and scream. Uh, sketch and draw out different ideas for hours on end. And I did this for a number of years. And I remember I used to get so mad because I never felt like I could come up with a good idea. I never had an idea that just was like, ah, oh, this is a great idea and this is going to work and, and so forth. And so I used to get really, really angry about it. And it was, that was kind of the start of me recognizing this sort of battle with, with creativity. And I think the reason why is because, like I said, I've always been more of a linear kind of logical thinker. So creativity, just natural creativity, it just didn't happen for me. And it was hard for, for, for me to do. It's one of the reasons why, you know, I've never really been kind of went all in on being a graphic designer. Uh, even though I do, I really do love graphic design. It's kind of this love-hate relationship because I have these ideas, but I can never quite finish them off. They're always kind of vague ideas. And I just, it's always been sort of this battle that I've, that I've had because my mind just doesn't naturally work that way. But what I discovered a few years back was really a couple things. One, that creativity isn't some magical thing, that it's not something that just kind of spawns out of thin air. Now, for some people, the process, which is what it ultimately is, just kind of happens more naturally by the way that their mind tends to work and the way that their personality and their behavior and so forth. So they tend to be more naturally creative, but creativity is very much a process. And again, psychologists that have studied this, and I'm going to get into some of that science here in just a second, have kind of nailed this down as well. And 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 so for me, you know, that excited my logical mind because if it's a process, well, processes are linear. I know processes. I'm good with processes, so I can do that. And if you're someone who's a super logical thinker who's trying to be more creative, that should excite you as well because that's naturally what you tend to be good at is is, is understanding, breaking down, and applying processes. So that was something that really ex, uh, excited me. The other thing that I learned from a mentor of mine was this, I call it the sprinter idea or the sprinter analogy. And so I'm not going to, I'll get into that a little bit here in just a second. But that was another thing that I discovered that really kind of helped me put some teeth to this whole idea of creativity. So discovering those things, you know, I'm still not naturally creative, but when I'm facing a problem, the thing that is different is that I know how to engage in a very specific process that will allow me to tap into my creativity and, and create a solution that is maybe more unique, better, etc. And it allows me to generate some of that, that creativity on command when I need it in certain situations. 
And I've also learned to develop certain habits that lead to more kind of natural creativity. And really what it is, is it's it's about creating an environment where you, you tend toward creativity. It's not that you're necessarily suddenly change the way your brain works, but it's more about the environment that you set up uh, around you so that you're naturally kind of leading yourself that way. And so I believe that by learning this, there's a couple things by by figuring out the science, there's a couple things that are going to happen for you. First, you're going to have access to the access to that same creativity on command and really be able to deal with that blank page syndrome. That's what I was experiencing when I was trying to come up with these ideas for these games. It really was blank page syndrome and it's not just developers, writers, you know, people of all artists of all sorts deal with the blank canvas syndrome, painters. It's been it's it's something that artists have of all kinds have dealt with for for centuries. And so this helps you to be able to deal with that and get past that even if you are a super logical thinker like I am. It also we're going to talk about some of the barriers to creativity because sometimes it's not about what what you're doing to try to be creative sometimes it's there's things in the way that you need to get past and again there's some some common barriers that psychologists have identified that when you start to remove those or at least understand how to deal with them and work around them it just naturally makes you more creative and opens up your natural creativity because we all have we all have some um but a lot of times it's just the barriers that are in the way and then the other thing is to really understand the stages of creativity so that you can run the process when you need it and then also get the most out of each stage so that the ideas and solutions that you develop are even better and even more useful. And so that's what I think you're going to get out of this and as a side note, you know, I kind of said this before but I just want to reiterate this. I believe creativity is much more important to a developer than technical skill. You know, they both matter, but if I had to choose one, I would choose creativity because unique solutions to problems is what we do. That's what led to the Facebooks, the Googles, the Twitters, all of the all of the things that we as coders and developers kind of look at and 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 secretly think, man, I wish I would have thought of that, or I wish I would have built that, or I wish I would have done that, or we're trying to come up with the next big thing the 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 source of that the impetus for that is looking at all these other ideas and those ideas are spawned from creativity technical skill was a part of it but technical skill isn't what led to the idea of actually creating it it's creativity so digging into this then i want to talk about the big picture here a little bit so i mentioned barriers so the the way this works is you know our mind is uh, naturally oriented. And again, psychologists have studied this. I'll, I'll link to the source for a lot of this uh, in the description of this. But our mind is naturally oriented towards pursuing alternate solutions. But we have certain barriers that keep us from fully engaging and acting on those ideas. And if we remove those barriers, then we can automatically be more creative. So uh, again, th- those those barriers are are things that are standing in the way of our natural creativity. As I mentioned, there's also certain stages of creativity. So, creativity is a finite uh, or is a process with finite stages, and uh, according to psychologists. And if you know the process, then you can help spur it on and become more creative. So, 
Starting off, what are some of these barriers? Well, there's two big ones that I want to talk about today. The first one is what's called functional fixedness. And it's this idea that the way that we've solved problems or addressed problems in the past uh, becomes kind of a, a functional thing for us. And we tend to become fixated on it. And we tend to try to solve problems uh, in the exact same way. The way I think about this is some terms I learned a while back called heuristic problem solving and algorithmic problem solving. So functional uh, functional fixedness is when we tend to uh, we tend to fall into a more heuristic way of problem solving. We take ideas and processes and 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 so forth that we learn from solving other similar problems, and we apply them to these new problems. Now, that is useful for dealing with the unknown. It has kind of a a, a biological usefulness uh, for human beings who who are reliant on choice for 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 engaging in action but then are faced with situations that are unknown to them. Heuristic problem solving allows us to tap into the way that we've solved other problems and apply it to this new unknown thing. But it's always kind of meant to be be more of a test and not necessarily this is the 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 final end end all be all solution. But when you fall into this functional fixedness what you start to do is you start to see your heuristic problem solving methods as the only way to solve problems. And so you just constantly apply them to every problem. And some problems they're good for, some problems they're not. And you become too fixated on it. And so what you want to try to to work towards is more algorithmic problem solving, especially in situations where you've applied your heuristics and it's not working out so well. A really good example for me was when I went from face-to-face sales to then going into trying to get client work online where it's more kind of text-based. And I was trying to apply what I had learned directly from face-to-face sales to this more online text-based type sales. And it's different. It doesn't work the same. There's a whole lot of context that is lost by not being face-to-face. And what I didn't realize is that a lot of my success as a salesperson was because of that in-person action and a lot of the nonverbal communication that I had going on. And so uh, I had to realize that my heuristics that I was trying to apply from one situation to another, just it wasn't working and I had to get a little more algorithmic. So again, that's one example of, of, of how that works. The other barrier that's out there then is, and I think is probably a big one for a lot of people, is what's called self-censorship. So it's basically prejudging our ideas without actually testing them. So if you've ever had those thoughts in your head like, that'll never work, you know, or, or people will make fun of me, or this is a dumb idea, or whatever, that is this sort of self-censorship. And it naturally limits creativity because you'll come up with the ideas but then you'll just shoot them, shoot them all down before you ever even try them. And so I think a lot of people, especially really logical people, and I would say developers too, because we tend to be a little bit more introverted and maybe deal with a little bit more with social anxiety, then that one is really, really common because we're not going to put an idea out there just to see what people think because we have that social anxiety that they're going to make fun of us and call us names and so forth. And to be honest, a lot of, you know, developers, experienced seasoned developers don't help out with that because they actually do do that stuff in forums and, you know, YouTube comments or or whatever. 
And so it helps reinforce our fear and makes it even worse, which, by the way, is why I'm so kind of uh, why I'm so hard on those people when, when I come across them, uh, because I really think it does hurt people. Uh, and this is just one uh, example of that. All right. So those are the barriers. And those are things that you can can work on a by moving from more heuristic problem sol- solving to more algorithmic problem solving, especially in situations where the heuristics just aren't working. And then also being less uh, uh, hard on yourself in terms of self-censorship and understanding the link between self-censorship and lack of creativity. And that a lot of times the thing that might be holding you back in terms of coming up with that uh, next big idea or whatever you're trying to use creativity for could be your own self-censorship. And so you need to really be vigilant about that sort of negative self-talk. Sometimes just being aware of it is all you really need. As I mentioned, there's also, out beyond the barriers, there's also the different stages of creativity. And this is really the process uh, that you can run. So again, uh, what psychologists have identified is that the first, there's, there's really kind of three stages. And I'm going to add kind of a fourth to put on my little psychologist hasp for a second and add a fourth. But there's three ones that they've identified. The first one is called preparation. So this is really the research stage. It's when you're seeking out new information and you're kind of letting your imagination go wild. So you're you're kind of feeding your brain in a sense. This is when you you've come across a problem that you're like, I don't know the answer to this. Kind of people's natural reaction is to be like, okay, I'm going to start gathering information on it. So that's the preparation stage. And it's important because you need data for your mind to kind of feed on in this stage. The next one is the incubation stage. And I think this is probably the part where a lot of especially super logical people kind of get tripped up. So incubation is really when all of this information is rolling around in your head, but a lot of it is happening in your subconscious. And it's where the phrase, well, maybe I just need to sleep on it, that sort of thing. That's where that comes from. And your subconscious mind tends to be a little bit more open and free and less restricted by the negative self-talk and the self-censorship and and that sort of thing. And so it it can connect unrelated things in kind of unique ways to come up with unique solutions. The problem is, is that you actually have to give your time yourself time to incubate. And I think this is what a lot of super logical people don't do is when they're faced with a problem, they have a hard time walking away from it and, and just giving their mind time to just let everything kind of ruminate. But you really need to do that and let those ideas simmer so that they can filter back into your your uh, subconscious mind and let it work on the problem while you go do something completely related. So that incubation period is really important. Then from that comes the final stage, which is the one that we're all kind of aware of and 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 searching for, which is called they call illumination. So this is the aha moment. This is when everything becomes sort of clear and everything seems to make perfect sense. And one of the unique things about this is it's really all about congruency. What really makes this this moment illuminating is it's your mind and your mental state. And your also your emotions tend to all be in line with one another. You don't just think, you're not just thinking about the solution and how good it is in a logical sense. You're also feeling it. And so you're feeling motivated to actually go and do this. And that's gives you a tremendous source of, of, of power and motivation that you can tap into. And that is why 
I add in what I call what the the fourth stage of this was, which is what I call action. (laughs) And that's because to me, creativity isn't just mental, right? Creativity is about actually creating things. Because if you just do it all in your head, and you don't ever actually act on it, that creativity basically all gets gets used up. And so action is important in actually pursuing this. And you really want to strike while the iron is hot. And this is where uh, this whole idea of the sprinter mentality comes from. Because, you, you, like I said, you're congruent. Your mind logically is looking at it going, this is a good idea. But you're also feeling it. You're feeling motivated to, to, to take action. And so you really want to let that emotion carry you. And, and you want to ride that emotion out. So you actually create the thing that you see in your mind. So... Again, that's a lot. I've kind of just blasted you with a ton of stuff. But I want to give you, again, kind of three tips that I think are important, or three takeaways from this that you can use to actually kind of start helping yourself be more creative. So the first thing is in the preparation preparation stage, I think it's important to just immerse yourself. Sometimes what people do is they're like, they're trying to logically put it together and they think it's a logical process. And so they have to remember everything and they have to kind of give them, they limit how much information they expose themselves to because they feel like if they forget something, it's it's going to mess up the process. But that actually is, is an important part of the process. Forgetting stuff uh, is really important because forgetting it actually lets it go into your subconscious and your subconscious doesn't forget it. And so what I like to do is just overwhelm myself, overload myself with information, just put as much data, find everything I can read, listen to, watch, and just overwhelm myself with the data so that it's all there. I might not remember it all consciously, but it's all there somewhere. It's gone through my mind and now my subconscious uh, can work on it. And I believe that the more data that you put in, as long as the data is accurate data, that's always important. But the more accurate data you put in, then the more accurate the solution and the more useful the solution you develop is going to be. The second thing is to I, I want to encourage you to find a hobby. So for me, my hobbies are, you know, playing video games. I talk about that a decent amount. So I like to play video games. I actually used to play them all the time as a kid and then kind of got away with it and have consciously come back to it just as having some sort of hobby that I'm kind of naturally into. I also am a big have, I used to like never watch TV shows and movies because I was a like, I was this really hardcore, like intellectual, and these things are rotting my brain. And I don't want blah, 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 all that sort of thing. I've again, consciously got back into it as an escape as a way for me to think about other things, while my subconscious works. So Develop a habit or or a hobby and make it a part of your regular part of your life. Because the more that you do that, the more you're going to have these consistent breaks and and incubation periods that will allow you to then more, if you never go through incubation, you never get it to illumination. So if you're regularly allowing these incubation periods to happen, that's naturally going to lead to more and more illuminations for different problems that you're facing. And so you'll naturally just start to feel like, hey, I just am like always having more creative ideas. It's about creating the environment around you that leads to that, not some sort of magical thing that you were just born with. And so creativity almost becomes kind of a habit because you're doing it on such a consistent basis. 
The final thing, then, the third big thing is sprint. And again, this was something a mentor of mine taught to me, but it was this idea that some people are more oriented towards being marathoners and some people are more oriented towards being sprinters. So marathoners are people who can go in and they they kind of thrive on routine and they can do a little bit each day and that's how they tackle kind of a big problem. I, I would say my wife is is very much a marathoner. She's someone who can really dig into routine and she when she faces a problem, she tends to break it down and tackle a little bit each day and, and she's just very disciplined about I'm going to do a little bit each day and then I'm going to give myself a break like she can do that like she's very disciplined in that regard I am pretty much the opposite I'm very much a sprinter and I abhor routine I can't stand it and when I face a problem I can't stop thinking about anything else until I solve it and so what I want to encourage you to do is a if you're more of a marathoner Find ways to develop a little bit of sprinting in you because when when you have that creative moment, again, nothing happens if you don't take action. And so you want to have the ability to be able to, to really quickly act on that and make it real. And that's going to keep the juices flowing. That's going to keep the creativity going. And then you can kind of slide into your marathon uh, to where you now start can can working work on it a little bit of the time. But if you hold yourself to just oh, I'm not willing to do this much, it's gonna it's easy to lose that moment of inspiration. So you really want to capitalize on those moments. The other thing is if you are more of a naturally a sprinter, understand that you have access to a tremendous amount of input. I have people comment on this a lot to me, people that I work with. You know, I have a, a guy who tells me regularly that I work with that he wishes he had access to the output that I do. He's more of the marathoner type. And in that it, it's just because there are times when I get inspired by something, when I see something clearly, I can go for days and days and days and just, I can take a problem that, or, or create something that should take like a month and do it in a few days or a week or whatever. I just, I just, I can't stop thinking about it and I can go on three, four hours of sleep for days and days at a time, as long as I'm still in that moment. Of course, when I come out of that, then I just crash, right? I I have, you know, three or four days where I just crash. But if you have that, just understand that's more of your natural way of doing things. And you need to orient your life around that a little bit more um, and really dig on in on those moments of inspiration that's derived from this process of creativity so and realize it's a tremendous power that you can really tap into to be able to get a crazy amount of stuff done in a short amount of time. That'll be beneficial for you, but it also when people see you do it, they'll be like, "Whoa!" And then when you explain to them, "Hey, I'm more of a sprinter, tremendous amount of output, and then I crash." That's kind of how I work. Once they've seen the output and they're like, "Holy cow!" Most people are going to be a little bit more likely to work with you because they they understand, okay, like I, I get how to work with this person. So again, just don't be afraid to embrace that that sprinter uh, mentality. And when you have those moments of inspiration, you kind of got to put everything else on hold and just boom, just go for it and, and ride it out. Otherwise, as a sprinter, unlike a marathoner, that moment to, to act on it is a lot smaller. And it could be 10 minutes and 10 minutes later, it's gone and you're on to something else and you've totally forgotten. It could have been some amazing thing that you created as a result. So, 
All right, so that's a that's a lot of stuff, but it's actually a really simple process. And I would say if you're super logical, the the biggest thing is the biggest two things are working on the self censorship and the negative talk, and that that incubation period, developing some sort of hobby that will allow you to have regular incubation periods and allowing your mind to your conscious mind to focus on something else so your subconscious can get to work and and lead to that moment of inspiration. All right, that's it for this episode. Thanks for watching. If you want to get all the past episodes as long along with all the subsi- subscribe links and iTunes and Android and all that sort of stuff, you can head on over to johnmorrisshow.com. Also, if you like this episode, like the show, I'd really appreciate it if you could rate and review it over on iTunes. That helps kind of get it out to more people, expose it to more people. I'd be very grateful for that. You could head to johnmorrisshow.com and then just click on the start here link and that'll walk you through the instructions on how to rate and review it. I'll even give you a a copy of module one of my PHP 101 course if you'll do that. All of that, again, johnmorrisshow.com and just click on the start here link and it'll walk you through it all. All right, like I said, that'll do it for this episode. Thanks for listening. We'll talk to you next time.